Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Well, the story of Abraham offering Isaac is probably one of the most haunting stories in the Bible. There's a lot of them, but that's probably one of the top ones. God told Abraham to put his son on an altar and kill him. Right? We just read that. That's what God told him to do. And, of course, you can just begin to imagine what Abraham must have thought to sacrifice his only son, what that meant to him. I mean, anyone, if you have a child, but if you don't have a child, you can imagine the kind of love and affection and devotion you have and for God to come and say, put him on an altar and put him to death. I mean, it'd crush you. It's unimaginable, isn't it? It's supposed to be unimaginable. It's part of the story, part of the point of it. This is a serious story. It's a haunting story to force us to do some business with God. That's why it's written the way it is. And of course, no matter what time you live in or what place you live in, you can get how hard it must have been for Abraham to do that because it's his son. But there's a dimension that's not as readily available to us who are, what, three, 4,000 years away and aren't part of ancient Middle Eastern culture, and it's this. If you're an ancient patriarch like Abraham, and you had a firstborn son, he wasn't just the one you loved. He was everything that mattered to you. Your very name will continue if your son continues. He's gone, you're gone. Your legacy will continue if your son continues. He's gone, no legacy. Your hope for something to last beyond your grave is wrapped up in the survival of your firstborn son. Take him away, no hope. So when God came to Abraham and said, give me your son, he wasn't just really saying, give me your son. He was really saying, Abraham, give me yourself. Abraham, I want you to put everything that matters to you. Every hope, every dream, every ambition, every sense of self and identity, every hope for a future, and I want you to take it on an altar and lay it before me and put it to death. Sacrifice it. It's a haunting story, isn't it? It's a serious story. And the story's there because we're intended to do business with the story and through do business with God. Now before I go, let me do a, a parenthetical statement here. You read the story. Two things you should know. Probably as the reader, you already signaled Abraham's not going to follow through because it says he was being tested. And then also when his son asked Abraham, where's the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. You have a sense that Abraham knew what was really going on. So let me just say this. Probably I don't need to say this, but as a pastor, I feel like I have to. If God ever speaks to you and says to offer your child, it's not God. This was a one-off deal that happened once for God to teach Abraham a lesson, but really to teach all of us a lesson. And the point of the story, the central point, is the same point Jesus makes in today's gospel. If you want to find your life, you've got to lose your life. That's the point. 
God wanted to give Abraham life, the full life, the abundant life that God gives, and through his descendants bless all nations. And the pathway to that life was to die. Jesus says the same thing. The pathway to life is to die. So he begins with this image. He talks about him going to Jerusalem and him going to the cross. And he says to the disciples, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up your own cross and follow me. Now, sometimes, and I often mention this when I teach in this text, but it's a good reminder. There's a tradition of talking about burdens in life as crosses to bear. And then we download this, this text and say, Jesus is saying, bear up in your burdens. It's not what he's saying. Let me tell you, first century person would have heard one thing. You want me to go get crucified, Jesus. You want me to die. And I think he meant it metaphorically, although sometimes some of us are called to die for our faith. I hope that doesn't happen to me, but I hope I'm ready for that if it comes. But at least the life I live is meant to be surrendered. The life I live is meant to be sacrificed. And notice what Jesus said. He said, go and take up your own cross. You know the story of the crucifixion. No one forced Jesus to be crucified, right? No one forced it. Pilate thought he was forcing him, but Jesus made it clear, look, if I want to get off this cross, I want to get out of this situation, I can call on all the angels of heaven and they will take care of things. That is not a problem for me. Jesus chose the cross. Jesus took up the cross. Jesus surrendered his life. Jesus gave his life. And he's saying, I want you to follow me. And do the same thing. And that's the pathway to life. It, it's important to note this too. It's not so much that it's a prerequisite to life. It's not like if you do this, then I'll give you the reward of life. No, it's saying this is how you get to life. The way to actually live a real life is to say no to yourself and yes to God. Deny yourself and embrace God. Die to yourself and come alive to God. That's the way to life. It's what God was saying to Abraham when he said, take your one and only son and offer him. It's what Jesus says to us when he says, take up your cross and follow me. The one who loses his life finds his life. The one who holds on to his life loses his life. Well, we're in Lent. And I read something recently that really struck me. And it's just stuck with me. And it's this. You know, one of the wonderful things about Lent is we're allowed to give up the pretense that we're good. We're allowed to give up the burden that we think we're just wonderful people. The pretense, the, the lie that we're, we're really got it all together. We can just give that up and admit what's true about us. We are sinners. I often think sometimes in church, you know, I had to get up and go, Hi, I'm Pete, and I'm a sinner. And you all say... Hi, Pete. In other words, if you know anything about recovery, if someone goes to an AA meeting, they say, Hi, I'm Pete, and I'm an alcoholic. Everyone says, Hi, Pete. And the person in recovery says that over and over and over, and they never quit saying it. It's not because they're trying to beat themselves up with what's broken in them. It's because of the liberating power of truth. It's the liberating power of owning what's true about you. And the truth is, anyone, and maybe some of you are in recovery, I don't, I'm not thinking of anyone, I don't know anyone here, but you would probably say, you're right. Whatever it is that controls me, the minute I quit owning that it controls me, 
then it will control me again. It'll take over. But as long as I own that I'm that broken person, I can be free. Same thing with us in Jesus. We are broken. We are sinners. We're not just people that pretty much have it together but just don't quite make it. Let's just get real. We're sinners. Now, I know everyone here is not a, a felon and a murderer. I know that. But listen, there's a wonderful side to you. But I bet there's some cruelty in there somewhere. I bet you can think of some memories of when that came out, can't you? I can. Uh, there's some hate in your heart probably somewhere. I bet it's come out sometimes. I could go on, right? We really aren't everything we present ourselves to be. And the beauty of Christianity is we're invited to own that. And that is so liberating because it's a burden to pretend something you're something you're not. But here's, the, here's why I mentioned that. So go back to the addiction motif. Someone who's in addiction will tell you self-help doesn't get them out of addiction. Self-improvement doesn't get them out of addiction. There's only one pathway out of addiction. You have to die to what you're addicted to. It's the only option. If you don't die to that, it'll kill you. That's the logic of addiction. Dear friends, that's the logic of our sinfulness. The same thing's true. So when Jesus comes and says, if you want life, you've got to die, he's not being harsh. He's not raising the bar. He's saying, this is the only way out. And what I want for you is freedom. What I want for you is liberation. What I want for you is absolute new life. And here's the way out of it. And I'm offering the way to you. That's always the message of Christ. It's always the message of the gospel. It's the message of Lent. It's this season where on Ash Wednesday, what a day. What's Ash Wednesday about? Well, you remember that you're mortal, you're going to die, and you're a sinner. Happy, clappy, joy, joy. Can't wait to have another Ash Wednesday. And yes, it can be the most wonderful day because facing into that truth can liberate you to transcend it in Jesus Christ. It's the heart of being a disciple. It's the heart of what our baptism means. So one of the, one of the images of baptism is a burial. And, and sometimes, every once in a while, we baptize people by immersion here, and that really pictures it. But whether we sprinkle or not, it still has the same meaning. To be baptized into Christ is to be buried with Christ, to be in his death, and to come out of baptism is to become alive in Christ. And that's the pattern of the whole Christian life. Dying, rising. Dying, rising, dying, rising, over and over and over and over and over again. When you first begin the journey, it's so liberating, it's joyful. After a number of years, it becomes harder to stick with it. But we all know it's the pathway to life. And Jesus calls us to that pathway. He calls us to our baptism every moment. He calls us to die to ourselves every moment. He calls us to take up our cross. He calls us to put our Isaac on the altar and give it to him. What's your Isaac? Is there an Isaac in your life that God is saying to you, I need that to be on the altar? Maybe it's a small thing. This is a great day to put on the altar. Maybe it's a big thing. 
This is a great day to put it on the altar. What a beautiful day to say, okay, Jesus, I'm done clinging to this. And it can be so many things. In fact, so often, just like in the story of Abraham, it's a good thing. Isaac was God's promise. Isaac was a gift. And yet that gift could become a substitute for God if Abraham wasn't careful. Just like the good things in our lives can, be a subs- can become substitutes for God as well. Do you have an Isaac in your life? Something good that it keeps you from fully giving yourself to Christ? It's a good day to put that on the altar and give it to Jesus. Or maybe you're more like me. You have an Isaac. You've already put him on the altar a thousand times. And you keep taking him off. Come on, you know it's true. Don't we all do it? But it's always good to just keep putting him back on there. Just keep putting him back on there. Keep putting him back on there. And give that to God. Well, in the story of the offering of Isaac, there's this little moment, and I already referenced it, but I think it's the most powerful moment of the story. When when they're going up the mountain, and Isaac says, okay, Father, see the wood, I see all this stuff, where's the land? What does Abraham say? God will provide a lamb. And I think that's not just a, a statement about that moment. I think it's a statement about human history. That God will provide a lamb. In fact, God has provided a lamb. He's Jesus. We say it every Sunday. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb has come. And what Jesus did is what he calls us to enter into. He came, and from the moment he was conceived, his whole life was an offering to the Father. And that life of offering culminated in a death on the cross. He took up his cross. He was faithful to the end. Three days later, God vindicated him and rose him from the dead, and then he ascended to the Father. And, And here's one of the lessons of that. You see, God calls us to die to ourselves. God calls us to take up our cross But I bet if you've been following Jesus for a while, you know that actually at your best, that's still not quite quite the full thing. You know, your offering is tainted by your selfishness. Your offering is still tainted by your sin. Your offering is still never perfect. It's just never everything it should be. But God is so merciful. God is so kind that what he did is he came into our life and into our story and he made an offering that's perfect. Jesus. And that perfect offering is our offering. So that when we place ourselves before the Lord, when we die to ourselves, we don't do it by ourselves. We do it in Jesus. You know, baptized into Christ. So that my feeble offering, my offering that struggles, my offering that gets off the altar all the time, gets back on, it's connected to Jesus' offering. Because of that, it's perfect. It's perfect. And God delights in it. Because it's in Jesus. And his offering is so perfect that even when I fall again, and I get off the altar again, and I have to repent again, there's always forgiveness. There's always another chance. There's always a welcome. There's always redemption available. Because Jesus came, and Jesus was the perfect offering. The Lamb of God. God has provided Lamb. And what Jesus invites us into is his very life that he's given 
for us. So, dear friends, what I want to just get across, like I often want to get across my preaching, is Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine. But his love is a serious love. It's not a sentimental love. It can be warm and affection, but it's not only a Hallmark card. Sometimes his love said, you're going to have to die. But it's not because he's harsh. It's not because he's mean. It's because he knows what we need. He knows we need the full cure. And he wants us to have that. And he wants to liberate us. He wants to set us free. So today, the invitation stands again. Jesus is here. And he invites us to his altar. He invites us to himself. He says, come and take as best as you can yourself and give it to me again. And do it with me. As you do it, receive from me my love. Receive from me my mercy. Receive from me my forgiveness. Receive from me my life. Because the one who seeks to save their life will lose their life. But the one who loses their life will find their life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand.